Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. You see yourself as the clubster. Grumpy, a man apart. Yeah, it's 11 in a row for you, much like it's 7 in a row for Cluxton. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Rugby on Off the Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now, you're very welcome back. It is that time of the season again. The pre-World Cup warm-up games ahead of five or six weeks of very important rugby for Ireland. We've got this run-in now where the last few places will be decided on the squad for France. Rugby here and off the ball is in association with Vodafone, Ireland's most reliable mobile network and proud sponsor of the Irish rugby team. Keane Tracy is here with me. How are you getting on, Keane? Good. Refreshed, ready to go. Refreshed indeed. You had a nice little break with the honeymoon. I did. Right off the back of the rugby season, which, you know, kind of chugged along into June. And now you're nice and refreshed ahead of these warm-ups. Very refreshed, I have to say, and ready to go. I'm not too happy to be back with the weather, although today isn't that bad. I was just saying outside, I don't know how you guys have been putting up with it for... Yeah, I know, the last few weeks. I say there's been plenty of whinging, but I suppose like the Irish team, try not to peak too early, Will. That's Mm. the the key in pre-season, isn't it? Well, before we get into the team, this has been all the discussion over the last couple of days, and Rory O'Connor was talking about this last night too, that uh, the players felt they put far too much stock into the idea of the humidity ahead of Japan, Mm. and the training was all based around that, and it sounded grueling and it sounded like maybe they were overcooked a little bit before they even went to Japan. Yeah, that's what it sounds like and certainly the, the sounds coming out of the camp this week from a couple of the players that we were speaking to, Paul O'Connell kind of even referenced it a little bit. Now, he obviously wasn't in the camp uh, in 2019, but he would have been fully aware. Um, you've Andy Farrell, who was obviously had a, a front row seat for for that in 2019 and I've always felt that this was one of the big positives of Andy Farrell taking over from Joe Schmidt because if you go back to 2019 when he was coming in a lot of people were given out really that you know this is going to be a continuation of the same thing because he was Joe Schmidt's assistant coach but I always felt that Andy Farrell had like I said a front row seat for what worked but more importantly what didn't work so he was a central part of that preseason in 2019 so he knows what worked and what didn't work so I feel like they've made the necessary tweaks by the sounds of it but look and Andy Farrell references in his press conference today if you're in any press conference with any nation at the moment they would all tell you that pre-season is going well they're not going to tell you that things aren't going great Ireland have clearly taken a different approach and the thing about 2019 was like a lot of this is hindsight because they were going playing in conditions which they just weren't used to in Japan and they probably did get a little bit obsessed with that that's what it sounds like Um, obviously going to France will throw up different challenges Uh, like it's quite warm there at the moment but it's not going to be like the the Japanese humidity that they played in four years ago so they've made the necessary tweaks and I think the crux of it is that the the rugby ball has been involved way more um, in the fitness sessions that they're doing they haven't been running to the ground they haven't been doing what Wales have been doing these mad kind of SAS training camps and all this so um, it'll be interesting to see how, how it turns out because all the sounds are positive at the moment but we'll see on Saturday you know it's it's difficult enough to you know, come back after such a long break and regardless of what they've been doing behind the scenes, there are going to be, you'd imagine, a few teething issues. Yeah, I mean, look, if Wales have a particularly good World Cup, maybe we'll look back and say this was genius. Yeah. Uh, playing the sound of crying babies through speakers and waterboarding your players, maybe that's the key. 
as if Welsh rugby didn't have enough issues at the moment. Maybe it will come back and like they will have the last laugh. Warren Gatlin will, but I don't know. To me, to me, it seems mad. It seems very old school, and maybe that's not a surprise when it comes to to Warren Gatlin. But you think of the the data and the science that's available at the moment, and um, like someone like Jason Cowman, who's the the Irish rugby S and C coach, like he's been involved in a couple of World Cups now as well. So you imagine, you would think he's probably learned from what didn't work. Absolutely, before. I would say that that's been a huge uh, learning from them. So. Um, like the backroom team in Irish rugby is absolutely massive like we only ever hear from the coaches and the players but there's so many people like you know they, they monitor their sleep obviously everything they're eating and stuff so that's been what's going on behind the scenes but obviously the proof will be in the pudding not necessarily over the next kind of three games because there's a lot of shadow boxing going to happen and really and truly you just want to get to the start line um, like different players will have different motivations over the next month but like you just want to get to the, at least give yourself a shot of making the 33 man squad because I'm writing a piece about this for Saturday's paper that the amount of players like Ireland players over the years who've had their World Cup ended in these in, in these World Cup games so there's danger lurking around every corner like I said so um, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out Yeah I mean it springs to mind straight away I think of Ross Byrne at Twickenham mm. and that is that game where probably the decision is made that it's Jack Carthy who gets the ticket and not him mm-hmm. that's that's how important these few games could be. Like I think of even Joey Carby getting yeah. injured against Italy in 2019, which really derailed not just the World Cup for him, but also probably the rest of that season and into the year afterwards. These are, while obviously these are tune-up games, at the same time they can be a make or break for some players. There's loads of examples. You'd actually be surprised. Like when I, went, I actually went back and was looking at them over the last uh, few World Cup cycles, you had Tommy O'Donnell in 2015 who dislocated his hip against Wales. You had Felix Jones also got injured. Uh, David Wallace in 2011 basically had his career ended I know he was 35 at the time but he he thought he had a couple more seasons left in him really bad knee injury you obviously had the Battle of Bayon Brian O'Driscoll fractured sinus whatever it was now we know he recovered for the match but like that was a real obviously sour evening as well talking about a suspension yeah exactly and then you had Jordan Murphy who broke his leg in 2003 so uh, they're all the horror stories that are around the corner and you know Ty Byrne was speaking about this earlier this week and it is a bit of a cliche that you know you can't go into a game thinking about getting injured because that's when you will get injured but these guys wouldn't be human if it wasn't, you know, deep in the back of their mind. I think particularly for guys who were pretty much nailed on to be on the, the plane to France. For them, like, you just want to get in and get out. For other guys who were on the fringes, which I'm sure we'll get into with the team that's been named, like, they can't afford to, in any way, take their foot off the pedal. So there's definitely a mixture of, um, I would say, different ambitions and motivations within the squad. And it'll be hard to gel all that together I think over the next few weeks be interesting Hmm. Alright let's have a look at the team then I mean the first uh, one to start on is the fact that Jack Crowley is going to start at 10 now there's obviously two ways of thinking here which would be you put Ross Byrne in you then maybe ease Crowley off the bench but if you want to have a proper look at Crowley you probably look at him either side of the England game as a starter and then make a decision about who's going to start against Romania from there that's if Johnny Sexton doesn't start and they decide they're going to actually use him in the first game I think he could yeah it is a possibility yeah no, I think I think Johnny Sexton starting against Romania is a real possibility purely because he has no rugby it'll be almost six months by the time the Grand Slam will game will be on and there's the potential for him playing maybe improve a bit given the way the first two fixtures fall that if say if South Africa or Scotland were right around the corner there'd be the argument to maybe keep him in uh, cotton wool until mm. then 
but you might argue that actually minutes is what he requires. Well, I think absolutely. Like I don't think there's any way Johnny Sexton would have played in that Romania game had he featured in the end of Leinster season or throughout Ireland's warm-up games. Obviously, that hasn't come to pass. Andy Farrell, I was asking him about it in today's press conference. He's fully fit, Johnny Sexton. He said if there had been a game a couple of weeks ago even, that Johnny Sexton would have been available to start. He hasn't missed a single training session um, throughout the summer. Apparently, he's been going really well. But that's all well and good, you know, behind the scenes but like World Cup is very different even if it is someone like Romania and Tonga who are going to give Ireland a serious game in that in that second clash so uh, I think there's a very real possibility that Johnny Sexton will feature in that Romania game I understand the the point that you're making and I think the I think the backup slot is is wide open I would say particularly w- with the way that Ross Byrne and more so I would say Jack Crowley finished the, the season with Munster and Leinster respectively so um, it's a huge opportunity for Jack Crowley to get in early and just lay down a marker I think if all things being equal, I'd imagine Andy Farrell has a really good idea of the two 23s, in particular the two 15s that he wants to play in the games against Italy on Saturday night and against England in the in the second game. But look, as we know, like adversity was the name of the game in the Six Nations, your best laid plans. And this was something actually Paul O'Connell was referencing earlier this week that in all the meet the team meetings that the, the coaches have, Andy Farrell always finishes it by saying best laid plans and all that. And it's proven to be true. So... Um, I would say he would love to see Jack Crowley get 50, 60 good minutes under his belt on Saturday, get Kieran Frawley on uh, for 20 minutes. Now, Kieran Frawley can obviously cover multiple positions across the, the back line. He's had to wait a long time for his opportunity as well. And in the meantime, Jack Crowley has jumped ahead of him. So I think that would be in an ideal scenario. And then I think you're, you're looking at Ross Byrne starting that England game in a couple of weeks with Jack Crowley to come off the bench. That seems like the way they're looking at it. And then I think it's 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 open for, for that Samoa game. But if Jack Crowley gets in and plays well on Saturday night like like I don't see any reason why he couldn't be the backup to Johnny Sexton or if Johnny Sexton isn't ready to start for whatever that for whatever reason that Romania game the first up I I don't see any reason why Jack Crowley couldn't start Um, all the sounds that ever since he's come into camp have been positive but again throughout pre-season that uh, this is something Andy Farrell was touching on today that his confidence has just gone through the roof on the back of you know playing such a key role in Munster winning the URC so uh, confidence is massive like in, in this game so um, it's a big opportunity for him for sure and I like the I like the fact that he's playing alongside Craig Casey I think that's something that Andy Farrell has done very well like of course if it had been Conor Murray or James Gibson Park he would have slotted in fine as well there'd be no fears but the fact that he's played a good bit with Craig Casey um, gives him I think a better opportunity and also Craig Casey for both players exactly, existing partnership yeah. um, so it's, it, that's definitely a positive as well and actually ironically enough this is something that Craig Casey was reminding us about during the week the first time that himself and Jack Crowley came up against each other they were opposition scrum halves in schools rugby and senior cups so um, you just think about how far Jack Crowley has come since being a senior cup scrum half uh, down in Bandon to basically playing 10 and then playing 12 for Munster as well it's been an unbelievable rise like still only 23 um, but they're very excited um, for good reason we've seen enough of him over the last year about what he's capable of but there is a sense that like he's brimming with confidence now and he can get in and I think lay down a good marker this weekend I think there's also the feeling with um, Crowley as well that he adds something a little bit different in mm. that he's got that bit of pace that bit of invention he's happy enough to take the ball up to the line um, this is a player if they're making a decision ultimately on the three out halves that they bring this slightly different skill set is potentially something that makes him stand out 
it's his skill set is the stuff that we can like from the outside can see but it's his personality I think as well that really has propelled him to almost to the top of the queue just behind Johnny Sexton um, like I said he's brimming with confidence at the moment but he came into camp with not with an arrogant swagger by all accounts but just like with a hunger and a willingness to learn like a, he's a real student of the game like watches a lot of rugby um, and just made a big big impression um, in that Ireland camp I remember he ran the T for the for the South Africa game last November and like that might have been people might have not read too much into that but the fact that he was trusted to bring on the messages from the coaching staff to Johnny Sexton and to the players around him when Johnny Sexton was kicking I thought was massive because it showed how much they trust him to relay messages within the heat of the battle and the keenness to have him involved exactly yeah so uh, obviously like we all know what happened he got his chance against Australia and he played obviously in the Six Nations as well so um, it's been a sharp rise for him but I think his uh, experiences with Munster have been so so important and if you were to look at someone like Joey Carberry, it's from what you hear, it's one of the reasons why he has kind of fallen out is that he just doesn't quite have that commanding presence. Where Jack Crowley, I don't think, is afraid to you know bark people around the place, his pack around the place. And to be honest, that's what all forwards want. They want their ten to be commanding. So um, it's exciting. Um, you know, you, you want to be going into a World Cup definitely with Johnny Sexton as your number one still, but. It'll be encouraging if Jack Crowley can get a good solid hour, uh, like I said, on Saturday with Frawley to make his debut and then Ross Byrne to, you know, show what he's made of in that England game as well, which you'd imagine would be a tougher challenge. Mm. We kind of got a bit of a window into what Munster fans are going to miss without Ben Healy with the way he played mm. for Scotland. Uh, Scotland didn't play particularly well against Italy last week, but I was watching it just purely from a, I wonder what kind of challenge Italy you're going to bring against Ireland. But Healy was one of the players that actually stood out for Scotland. Very inventive. Very good. And like, again, what everything that you hear since he's gone into Scotland camp has been really positive. I was talking to a couple of Scottish journalists uh, when we were over at Murrayfield during the Six Nations. They said, yeah, he'd made a really positive impression. And like Ben Healy played a pivotal role as well in Munster winning the URC, you know. Um, he came off the bench a couple of times and was really, really important. Um, we saw again how, how how big his boot is last weekend, but like he's, I think he's added a lot to his game as well and it was just such a sliding doors moment that I think if everyone could rewind the clock, I think conversations might have been a little bit different, but you got again, I think we've had this conversation, Will, before. You can only admire and, you know, applaud Ben Healy for having the guts to say, no, look, I want to play international rugby. My path wasn't here with the conversations that he'd had with the Ireland coaching staff. So you can only wish him well, but the, the chances of Ben Healy coming back to haunt Ireland at a World Cup like coming off like because he has such a big boot even from like from the tee like I think Gregor Townsend is going to be very tempted to have Ben Healy on the bench in some of those World Cup games that if it does come down to a late penalty he certainly has got a bigger range than, than Finn Russell does so um, definitely interesting times and adds a nice little subplot uh, no different to Jean Klein in, you know, playing for South Africa so the Munster players are spreading themselves far and wide Oh look who knows maybe Ireland will have beaten South Africa yeah. and it's just a case of first or second <laughs> in the pool at that point and Scotland is a time to rest players ahead mm. of the knockout stages Jean Klein point is an interesting one as well because Craig Ray was on OTBM this morning and he was saying that okay he probably has a little bit of an uphill task to try and force himself into the World Cup squad it's come very late for him but he was saying there's that real feeling in South Africa he has that profile and even from what they've seen from him so far they've been very impressed look he gets a chance to impress in Buenos Aires at the weekend as well 
Yeah, uh, I thought he did well in, in his debut. Um, he's another guy, I think, like Ben Healy, who has improved massively. I th- I would say even more so. Uh, like Without Jean Klein, I don't know if Munster would win the URC. He was that important. And it was interesting earlier this week, we were asking Paul O'Connell about it. And he Paul said nearly, he was nearly in. He said he was very close uh, to making it. But look, from an Irish context, uh, and this was always the impression you got, like the... The, Andy Farrell and Paul O'Connell and the Irish coaches felt like they'd invested a little bit more well sorry significantly more because John Klein hasn't played since the 2019 World Cup but they'd invested more in the likes of Joe McCarthy Kieran Treadwell these kind of guys that they just felt that if Sean Klein was to come back in now he had a little bit too much ground to make up but Rassi Erasmus and Jack Nienarber didn't obviously see it that way so um, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Klein makes the, the World Cup squad I would be surprised if he was in their first choice match day 23 purely because of the, the options that the box have but he could definitely merit a place in their 33 man squad it'll be interesting to see mm. uh, You mentioned McCarthy I mean coming into this weekend so it's going to be Ian Henderson captain of the team for the second time uh, you look at that uh, second row combination so Joe McCarthy comes in it's going to be his first start for Ireland and look again he's a guy who's probably has a lot to do if he's going to make the 33 man squad for Ireland but again here's an opportunity for a guy who played very good domestic rugby last year yeah, I do think he has a bit of ground to, to make up again because Ireland have decent options there. Um, Kieran Treadwell didn't have his best season for Ulster, even though he was um, outstanding in the summer tour. He was very well liked by the coaching team, like after New Zealand, particularly. Yeah, and he was one of those selections which would kind of came out of the blue a little bit, a bit like Gibson Park when he got selected. And Andy Farrell clearly has a good eye for talent. So I don't think he'll be overly concerned by someone like that who didn't maybe hit his straps for Ulster because they all talk about, you know, it being. Team Ireland and all that so if Treadwell is going well in pre-season I do still think he is probably ahead of Joe McCarthy but again if Joe McCarthy comes in and plays well this weekend like he is going to put himself in contention as well again it's kind of similar to the point I made about Jack Crowley I like the fact that he's playing with someone like Ian Henderson an experienced player it's not like he's been thrown in with Treadwell when the two of them are kind of trying to find find their way in the dark a little bit it's something it, it's so important it's it's something that I think Leinster do really well when they're blooding their new players like they get, they get put in generally with a more experienced player whether it's a, a Luke McGrath scrum half or a Reese Ruddock um, so it's very important that they do that even if you look on the bench someone like a Tom Stewart who's going to come on and make his debut he's going to come on and scrum down with Keen Healy and Tyg Furlong so you can when you pick through the, the bones of the team this weekend you can see Andy Farrell's thinking he's trying to give as many of the fringe guys at their best opportunity possible to impress rather than throwing loads of them in the deep end and telling me or saying show me what you can do so that's where it could dysfunction where you guys who aren't exactly and, and that has happened that has happened again this was referenced today um, that you know you think back to the Fiji game last November and that was really detrimental to a couple of guys Joey Carberry in particular in particular that was the game that I think the Irish coaching staff really started to have doubts uh, whether it was the game itself or it was his running of the week a guy like Nick Timoney you know suffered there as well so um even the Italy game in Six Nations wasn't quite fluid and they made a lot of changes and I think Andy Farrell has probably laid down the law behind the scenes that there are no excuses now that if guys don't you know, come in and hit their straps because some guys might only get one opportunity to press in this window it's so important to take it There's a temptation for supporters too when they're picking their 15s ahead of these games to go let's be tremendously experimental yeah. and here's where I'd fit in 7 or 8 guys that don't play regularly for the national team and the truth of it is that you want to actually build a few performances going into the World Cup. Yeah, if you're Wales and if you're scratching around looking for form, I think 
that you can kind of understand that. But like Ireland are building from a really solid base here. I mean, they're coming in as Grand Slam champions. Um, I would say the squad is very settled. I, I realistically, I think there's only a two to three places up for grabs if everyone is what are the three fit. places up for grabs then um, I would say in the back three um, so again if you look at the back three who's starting this weekend Jimmy O'Brien Keith Earls and Jacob Stockdale I think Jimmy O'Brien is going to go because he covers multiple positions and he's been excellent every time he's played for Ireland Um Jacob Stockdale and Keith Earls need big games I think Keith Earls has a lot of credit in the bank and I know a lot of supporters mostly outside of Munster have been very quick to write off Keith Earls but I would not be surprised if he's in Ireland's World Cup squad again form permitting fitness permitting he obviously had a really tough last season with injury but I still think Keith Earls offers a lot I think back to that New Zealand tour last year he played such an important part he started the first test I think which a lot of people forget um, and he had played the first midweek game as well captained the midweek side in the second game so he's hugely valued and I still think he offers a lot so there's probably a spot in the back three um, up for grabs um, I suppose it depends on kind of which way they go and in terms of the the split uh, would there be a spot in the, the second row possibly the back row um, you've got a couple of guys there who are hybrid players like Ryan Baird is going to play six this weekend yeah. Ty Byrne can do it as well so um, there's definitely a couple of places up for grabs and I think you know versatility will be really important I think at this World Cup as well because a guy like Jim Jimmy O'Brien like they call him the Swiss Army Knife in Leinster because he covers so many positions like a guy like Kieran Frawley can do similar as well but he's definitely starting from a, a, a further way back but I know the Irish coaches really rate him and if he had been fit he definitely would have made his debut uh, before now probably in the November window last year so there are a few places up for grabs and obviously Andy Farrell isn't going to be saying that to his players he's going to say it's open but um, like if you're a Tom Stewart coming off the bench or you if need you, an injury if you're Tom yeah, Stewart yeah or if like Calvin Nash is going to make his debut off the bench like you need to make the most of every single minute that you get so um, yeah it's, it's, it, it's a tricky ask I think for those guys who were fighting from a little way further back but you think that there's going to be injuries there's going to be HIAs like across the World Cup and if guys don't make the initial 33 man squad you'd be very surprised if you got to the end of Ireland's World Cup campaign and some other guys haven't been called in maybe even someone who isn't in the current squad at the moment it's not beyond the realms of possibility so um, yeah there, there is still a lot to play for Cap 99 for Keith Earls mm. who was starting the right wing Jacob Sockdale, again, we, we pine for his form from 2018 and early 2019, but first time in two years he's going to start for Ireland. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's like I've, I've heard that today and I was like, it's it really is stark when you think back to 2018, which really seems like a lifetime ago now at this stage. But uh, yeah, look, he's had a tough time of it. I think he's been really open and honest about that as well, that his form even since coming back hasn't been great he's still trying to you know probably I wonder how much mentally recovering more than anything from the from the physical uh, was it an ankle injury I think he had um, but that player is still in there somewhere you know it, like it has he hasn't gone away like that what he did in 2018 when he set the try scoring record in Six Nations that wasn't a fluke I know he got a couple of bounces the ball went his way but um, he was putting himself in, in those positions so um, look James Lowe is firmly like James Lowe is almost doing more than what Jacob Stockdale I think it was doing might not have his try scoring record but what he offers you around the pitch so um, Jacob Stockdale needs a big big performance I would say this weekend but again he's he's capable of it and I think he him and a few I think of the Ulster guys will 
will actually really appreciate going into Ireland camp and just a little bit to almost to relax a little bit because Ulster obviously had a really tough end to the season and you go into Irish camp I think you get a new lease of life like I mean we've talked about this so much about how much the players enjoy the environment but we haven't really seen Jacob Stockdale thrive since Andy Farrell has taken over as head coach but there's a reason Andy Farrell keeps picking him whenever he can he wants him to get back to those levels and I think he's capable of it like it's not to say it is going to happen, but I still believe the player is in there somewhere. Mm. So across those back three positions, then you're probably looking low and Hansen are 100% nailed on. Hugo Keenan, understand yeah. to be 100% nailed on as well. Then you're probably looking at Earl's looking to get into that group. Jimmy O'Brien probably going because of his versatility. I think Jimmy O'Brien goes. Yeah, I'd be very surprised yeah. if he doesn't. So Stockdale has work to do if he's Stockdale make does. The squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he does, but. I mean, he hasn't shown, you know, anything. I think he, I think he'll be really uh, grateful that he's in the squad because he, we haven't seen a lot from him. A, a lot of it is on reputation why he, why he's getting picked. Um, Calvin Nash is obviously um, another guy in the frame there. He doesn't have quite as much credit in the bank, but he's one of the guys that went on the controversial Emerging Ireland tour last year and really impressed uh, the Ireland senior coaches. Uh, and he was outstanding, by the way, for Munster as well. And so was Shane Daly, who's really really unlucky not to be in the in the Ireland squad I think if you were picking on purely form alone Shane Daly would, would be in there uh, probably ahead of Keith Earls well definitely ahead of Keith Earls because Earls missed most of the season and certainly ahead of Jacob Stockdale as well so it just shows you the quality that's also not in this 42 man squad that's going to be whittled down to 33 So that's our um, back three for this weekend Jimmy O'Brien Keith Earls and Jacob Stockdale in the midfield you've got Robbie Henshaw who's going to be in 13 for this week and Stuart McCloskey at 12 Stuart McCloskey maybe is disadvantaged by the fact that he's Mm. an inside centre and not maybe as versatile as some of the other options yeah, he is. Even though he did start out as um, as an out half, which probably makes a lot of sense for the the fancy offloads and stuff that that he gives. Yeah, like I mentioned, versatility is is so important when it comes to a World Cup. And if you look at Bundyaki, can play twelve and thirteen. Even though I think it, when you think back to the game in Rome, Bundyaki and Stuart McCloskey played together in the centres, and it really didn't work. Um, I think Bundyaki is kind of more of a break glass in case of emergency kind of 13 now. Uh, I know he's played their loads, but I think he's much more comfortable at 12, which... And also seems a lot more comfortable with either Ringrose or Henshaw. Yeah, absolutely. Well. And that, that, just comes with, that just comes with time. But you look at Ringrose can can play 12 or 13. Or sorry, Henshaw can play 12 or 13. Uh, Ringrose has played on the wing for Leinster not that long ago as well. So uh, that versatility is important. I think that probably points to uh, Bundyaki and Gary Ringrose probably going to start in that England game you'd imagine um, again it's a chance for Stuart McCloskey to get in lay down a marker uh, he like he actually was one of the bright sparks in Ulster's difficult season I would have said and Henshaw missed most of the Grand Slam campaign so it makes sense to get him back up to speed and get minutes under his belt so um, yeah decent and experienced I would say centre combination there mm, We swum with the halfbacks already so we've got Jack Crowley and Craig Casey uh, then as we move towards the forwards might start with the back row because mm. it's an all Leinster back row but again, the decision was made in Caelan Doris's case to play open side flanker this time around. So it's Baird, Doris and Jack Conan. Yeah, we were speaking about this. Caelan Doris playing open side, if you remember at the Aviva, just before um, the quarter, Leinster's quarterfinal against Leicester. Leicester. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, look, there, I, I've, I have a few thoughts on this. Like, Firstly, 
I'm just not in favour of moving Caelan Doris around the back row. I understand why they're doing it, but in my mind, he is a world-class number eight. And I just think he should be playing number eight. Um, but if I'm to put my Ireland coach's hat on, I can see what they're what they're thinking. Um, in that game against Leicester, um, he actually only got 20 minutes there, if you remember, yeah. because uh, Ryan Baird got injured. So Scott, Pe- Scott Penny came on and went to seven and Caelan Doris then went back to six. So um, this is clearly something that's been in the pipeline that they've been thinking about. That was his per- first professional start at open side. Um, cl- clearly, he's more comfortable as a six and definitely as an eight. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I-, I understand the logic because Josh van der Fleer is the only out and out seven in the Ireland squad, which is a big bit of I would say it's a bit of a concern um Jimmy O'Brien I think would be the next man up at fullback and fullback and open side are the two positions that you would just be a little bit unsure that if the first choice player was missing who would come in I would think that if John, Josh van der Fleer got injured, I would imagine Peter O'Mahony would be the one to go to seven and then you'd move Caelan Doris into six and you'd have Jack Conan at number eight. But the Ireland coaches and clearly the Leinster coaches feel like Caelan Doris can do a job at seven. To me, when Caelan Doris gets moved to six on the blind side, he's nowhere near as effective as he is uh, as a number eight. And that would be my concern that if he's playing open side, and he's been asked to do different roles because the six, seven, and eight are all very, very different positions. Even six and an eight, um, which people might think are quite similar, but they're they're really not in terms of the positions. That you see him as Ireland's undisputed best number eight, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, and that's no slide on Jack Conan either. Like I mean, Jack Conan's had his own kind of issues going on, which he's spoken about, and he's he's been brilliant over the last couple of years. But I would say, by his own admission, probably wasn't at his best last season. And I just thought Caelan Doris basically since. Since last year's Six Nations, leading into the summer tour, was exceptional. Um, was exceptional in this Six Nations as well. So I think he's Ireland's best um, number eight. I think the first choice back row still is Peter O'Mahony, Josh Van der Fleer, Caelan Doris with Jack Owen to come off the bench. Uh, but I'm very, in- I'm intrigued to see how it works out and if Ireland actually see Caelan Doris as Josh Van der Fleer's backup um, to open side. The the balance of the back row, yeah, we'll be curious to see how it goes. I mean, I'm very excited to see Ryan Baird go like I mean he was really good for Leinster every time he got an opportunity really good for Ireland as well uh, When in limited opportunities that he got in the Six Nations I think six is his best position as well I know Leinster have been playing him a little bit in the in the second row but I think when it comes to international rugby he's a far better far more effective six and he's a guy who really could push push hard I think when it comes for the World Cup for a bench spot maybe even a, a test start particularly if there's injury so um, it's a good back row but I'd be unsure about the balance with Caelan Doris playing open side just because it's not his natural position Any surprise that Gavin Coombs doesn't get a chance in this game? Uh, maybe a little bit it's, I'm surprised Conan, Conan is a very known entity yeah, here, if they were look. yeah but he didn't start a lot of games over the last season for, for Ireland so I can understand a little bit um, was there scope to get him on the bench? Maybe there was um, like I never understand why Jack Conan isn't the, the one who moves to, to six I don't understand why it's Caelan Doris so um, I think Gavin Coombs can probably feel hard done by going on form alone but we don't know how training has been going behind the scenes look Paul O'Connell said this on on Tuesday that all well not 42 players because Johnny Sexton's obviously suspended 41 players are going to get a chance and Andy Farrell doubled down on that uh, today the 41 players are going to get a chance over the next three games so Gavin Coombs will feature Um I've seen a lot of people, yeah, a lot of Munster supporters are angry and disappointed, but 
the and I made this point at the start I think Andy Farrell and the coaches have a bigger picture sketched out here in terms of what games they're going to they're going to feature and so you have Jack Conan and Caelan Doris Bow playing this weekend like Gavin Coombs could start number 8 uh, against England with someone like a Josh van der Fleer who's going to come back in and that goes back to my point like about years, you know yeah. yeah about giving guys fringe guys the best opportunity so I wouldn't be surprised if Gavin Coombs starts number 8 against England with a back row uh, of Peter O'Mahony and Josh van der Feer it could definitely happen and again if he goes well then he puts himself in contention too Very much so yeah so then we spoke about the second row which is going to be Ian Henderson and Joe McCarthy and then we've got a very experienced uh, front row and players who've played together in Tom O'Toole and Rob Herring with Ulster and Dave Kilcoyne there in the front row as well um, you would think that Herring is probably third choice pretty much nailed on third choice hooker already at this stage yeah, he is, and he's just like I think he's been one of the most improved players in in the Ireland squad. Um, but he's just unlucky that he's behind two freakishly good athletes in Dan Sheehan and and Ronan Kelleher. Um, even Tom Stewart, um, who's going to make his debut off the bench. I'm a big, big fan of his. He was obviously you know shooting the lights out in terms of tries scored for Ulster uh, last season in the URC. But he offers a lot. Like Andy Farrell was singing his praises today he described him as a silent assassin that he doesn't really say a huge amount in camp but that you can tell he's taken everything in and he's so explosive now the one kind of you know worrying thing I would have from Tom Stewart's point of view is that he said he's going to be a good player for the future so I think it almost slipped a little bit that you know the thing of the next cycle yeah the, the pecking order is secure but if one of the hookers was to go down um, and we'll see obviously how he steps up because it is a big step up this weekend I think they're very excited about the potential of, of Tom Stewart I mean he's shown it in the URC against big decent opposition that he's more than capable and he was selected ahead of Rob Herring for plenty of games as well so uh, but Rob Herring has a lot of credit in the bank and he is the third choice but Tom Stewart is coming coming hard I think down the line So Stewart's on the bench along with Keane Healy Tyg Furlong Tyg Byrne they're the very experienced end of it then you've got Keane Prendergast Caelan Blade Kieran Frawley Calvin Nash big day for Frawley and Nash were there going to win their first caps during this as well and a chance to have a look at Keane Prendergast there yeah Keane Prendergast um, for sure like he's another guy who can play who has been playing a little bit in the second row uh, play obviously more comfortable in the back row I think he's another guy who's got a little bit of ground to make up um, a bit like Joe McCarthy um, on the summer tour last year in the Maori games a little rash I felt at times a little over eager to impress which I can totally understand if you're a young guy coming in you want to make an impression uh, so a little over eager so I'd imagine the Ireland coaches um, both of those guys I mean just not giving away silly penalties just kind of taking a step back you know taking a deep breath um, but Keen Prendergast has been consistently excellent for, for Connacht over the last while so he's you'd imagine is going to get 20 minutes a half an hour to, to make an impression as well but he would I think fit into the category of a guy who's got a bit of ground to make up similarly to Dave Kilcoyne who's starting in the front row I think he's worth mentioning too Will I mean he didn't feature in Munch- in Munster's running. I mean, Munster were going with Jeremy Lockman and Josh Witcherly as their two loose heads. So um, I think a few people were a little bit surprised maybe that Jeremy Lockman didn't get a look in. He was another guy who went on the tour to New Zealand last year. Um, so this is a big opportunity to, for Kilcoyne to justify the faith, I think, that's been shown in him by Andy Farrell. Because again, if you were going on form, then his Munster teammates even would be ahead of him in the pecking order yeah I suppose that belief is he's gone to a World Cup before he's kind of consistently mm-hmm. been there as an option for Ireland and I know you use the phrase credit in the bank I guess he would argue he's got plenty of it he, yeah he, he, he does but I mean so, sometimes are you picking on form are you picking on reputation and for some guys I can understand it like a, a Johnny Sexton or whatever but 
I mean, a guy like Jeremy Lockman like was exceptional in Munster's run into the URC, you know, winning the URC. So um, if I was him, I'm sitting at home thinking, what else do I have to do? You know, I'm ahead of this guy in the pecking order. But look, Andy Farrell is a loyal selector. And like I've mentioned, he's an outstanding selector. So I wouldn't necessarily question his decision. I'm more so putting myself in Jeremy Lockman's shoes, thinking this is a little bit harsh. But um, you're right, Dave Kilcoyne has been there. Um, he's at the last World Cup. He does have a lot of credit in the bank. But I still think he needs a, a big performance this weekend and Italy have named a decent team as well it's yeah. going to be a test Yeah I was just thinking right, it's a lot stronger than the team that took the field against mm. Murrayfield last week with the last 25-13 the experimentation is Paolo de Wogu is playing on the wing and they've also brought in Dino Lam for his first start at lock but outside of that that's a lot closer to the Six Nations squad that Curley was picking more so than what we saw last week yeah, particularly in the in the back line, I think the the front row is is quite changed as well, and they've got um, their captain Michele Lamaro on the bench. But um, like Italy caused Ireland a lot of problems in in that Six Nations game. Now Ireland had made a few changes, and like I mentioned, the the centres which just didn't work at all. Um, the halfbacks were changed as well. Um, so, like I said, like this is an opportunity that Andy Farrell has told the players that you know you can't afford to. Let let this pass up. Um, like Italy are in a weird situation in that Kieran Crowley isn't going to be head coach after the World Cup, which to me is absolutely bizarre. Obviously, not privy to what's been going on behind the scenes, but from what we've seen over the last couple of years, particularly in that Ireland, I know, game, that campaign. I remember we talked to him in the Six Nations yeah. at the time. Looked like progress. Yeah, absolutely, the France and Ireland performances. You and think this is moving the right direction? He's brought through like loads of these young players who look like they're going to be really good for Italy. Definitely the most exciting crop of players I think we've seen possibly ever from Italian rugby. So, um, a big decision from the Italian federation, and it's a strange scenario I mean I know a few coaches have it like Ian Foster has it for the All Blacks going into the World Cup when you know that you're not going to be the one taking on the job and the All Blacks is a little bit different in for obvious reasons but this Italy project feels like it's still at its early stages and Crowdy you know it, it seems like he's been on the right track but then just to rip it up and start again um is surprising I would say um, but that's look that's none of Ireland's concern they still have to come out and put them to the sword on Saturday night I mean it's not going to be a sellout I think I saw today f- over 41,000 tickets um, have been sold to date um, that'll be a little bit strange I think I'm not used to not having the Aviva full for, for rugby matches now I can understand it in terms of I, I believe the prices for the tickets are, are quite expensive but I mean I think student or children's tickets are available I think still for a tenner so uh, maybe they'll have a few walk-ups on the day but um, yeah Italy will be a good test definitely a, a, a tougher test than they have been you know in previous years gone by Does the evening kickoff help a little bit for the atmosphere in this too because I remember Italy at the outset 2019 Andy Dunn and I were there watching the game it was the day that uh, Carberry mm. got injured it was just this kind of weird feeling of a mid-afternoon fixture where people just kind of sauntering into it. There wasn't much of an atmosphere at it. Generally, even taking into account it's a World Cup warm-up, tends to be a better atmosphere in the Aviva when the lights are on and it's early yeah, evening time. There'll be plenty more points on board anyway. That's Probably, the thing yeah. um, you'd imagine. Uh, yeah, look, it's it's a long wait for the players though. Like It's a long, long waiting around all day for that. But I, I, I believe the reason they're doing it is because they've streamed all the games in terms of kick-off time so that yeah. you can basically watch rugby till till the cows come home. I'm pretty sure on Saturday we were having a look to see where everywhere was being screened. Like You could watch the early one, the Bledisloe Cup yeah. Part 2 to start your morning watch all of the games through the afternoon and then you could catch South Africa and Argentina late at night. And it, that's brilliant. Like, that makes sense. I mean, you want to grow the game, you want to get to new audiences. And look, if this game 
against Italy was on at one o'clock or even one o'clock on a Sunday, you know, people would be giving out that, you know, it's it's a harder sell. Like a Saturday night at the at the Aviva Stadium, albeit it's expensive for supporters who don't live in Dublin to, to get up and pay for accommodation and all that. But it should be a good good occasion. I mean Ireland are trying to preserve their long uh, home unbeaten record, but they're also ten games unbeaten as well, you know. Paul O'Connell so. was trying to play that down. I think one of the questions was, Oh, is this home record important? He was like, I don't even know how many we've won. Back of his mind they have to have a fair idea they're you know, a they dozen de- games unbeaten at home. Yeah, they definitely do. And they're 10 games unbeaten overall as well. And that matters. I mean, like I kind of touched on at the start of the conversation, Will, about the horror stories in terms of players getting injured. But you were so right to mention that England game in 2019, which, look, the cracks had been appearing, but that really derailed like all of Ireland's plans, even though they'd started well against Scotland. But we all know what happened in, in that Japan game. Um, so we can see... Like the evidence is there, like to see like how much you can get knocked off kilter, you know. And I always felt this as well that you know there was such a big gap between the Six Nations and the World Cup starting that a lot of things happened. Like the rugby championship is going on at the moment, and everyone is talking about the All Blacks, you know, that they're now favourites for the World Cup. That was always All Blacks are back. That is the exactly, line. and like they are, but like I mean, the Six Nations seems like such a long time ago, you know, that you almost are starting from scratch, and you do have this age-old debate about the fact that the Southern Hemisphere teams are now. Now coming in off the back of a rugby championship whereas the Six Nations teams are coming in off the back of warm-ups it's very different and you can argue with both sides but I would say it's a massive advantage for the Southern Hemisphere teams coming in off the back of the, the quality and the type of games that they're playing but look that's the way it is It's they're obviously trying to sync up the, the global calendar which has been just ongoing for as long as I can remember a conversation probably for for another day but I think it is great that you can you can watch as a support rugby supporter you can watch rugby basically all day on Saturday yeah I tried to be a bit like you not because you were on the honeymoon but I tried to wean myself <laughs> off rugby for a month yeah. or so I thought this is enough the season is finished I think after the URC final I went I take a nice little break I watched a bit of the 20s mm. understandably when they were going well at the tournament but other than that I will just wean myself off and get back involved it was only really when the rugby championship started I think the first game I watched was South Africa Australia then it kind of the excitement starts to slowly build because it's a long tournament we were doing out the fixtures on a wall chart yeah. uh, during the week and we saw the break week in the middle of it all as well there's a lot of rugby over the next 10-12 weeks and like it will take I think the public a uh, little bit of time to kind of fully get back into it obviously a lot of like the GA, like the All-Ireland is over now in terms of the football and the hurling so rugby is about to kick off but I think it'll be a bit of a slow build up still I think the England game in two weeks uh, at the Aviva obviously it's going to be a better standard of opposition um, that's if Steve Borthwick who knows what kind of team or squad he's named he seems to be fiddling around so much of it but I think that England game is where things are really going to ramp up in terms of the intensity of you know the games that we're seeing but also I think the public's imagination so it is still what are we just over a month away from Ireland's first game September 9th against Romania in Bordeaux like we still have a bit of time but once the games start like the World Cup is going to come around real quick and I think that's the message that Andy Farrell and the coaches are driving at the moment you know that like once we start this weekend got to take your opportunity Are you going to Portugal next week? No, I'm not going to Portugal next week, but I don't think any media are going to Portugal next week. Um, usually some journalists get a nice little jolly over to Portugal, but... I think it was the jolly to be on in 2019. Yes. Um, no, the jolly is not happening to Portugal because I believe they're doing their media virtually. Okay. Uh, we're back to those dark days. But I think there is a jolly towards the the end of it when Ireland are playing Samoa and Bayon. So I think a few days in Biarritz for some lucky few people might be on the cards. So, um, yeah, the jollies are important. Battle of Bayon, part two. <laughs> yeah. uh, rugby here and off the ball is an association with Vodafone Ireland's most reliable mobile network and proud sponsor of the Irish rugby team. Keen, thanks a million. Cheers, Will.
Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.